and being plugged in. Did you bring your Bibles? Are you ready? Come on, let's make our declaration. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your truth that leads us, guides us, transforms us, and changes us into the image of your Son. Father, it's our heart to live and to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to Psalms 107 and uh, John 16:33. We'll read that in a minute, but it's in there in our scriptures, uh, in your outline there, in a couple different translations that I wanted to point out to us this morning. But uh, the message this morning is take courage. Take courage. And uh, we're, our, our, our theme, we didn't really set a theme, we just set an agenda. So my agenda for us as a church and all those who have joined online, everybody, wherever you are, is that you learn to walk in your true identity of who you are in Christ. Knowing who you are as a believer in Christ, as a child of God. What belongs to you? What is your inheritance? What is your right? What is your authority? Knowing that is so important. Amen. Because you live in, in, in a world where you have an adversary that challenges who you are. God's word tells you who you are and the devil tries to tell you who you are. And he tells you you're not who God says you are. Amen. So it's important for you to know who you are. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and then to walk in that. To hold on to. I am, I have, and I can. Amen. Hallelujah. And so in all of that, that's what we're standing on. So uh, before we read Psalms 107, guys, if you could pull that up in the Amplified Translation, that'd be awesome. And uh, we'll read it in just a second. So look at your outline with me. Wouldn't it be great if we could be promised a life without trials or tribulation? Wouldn't that be awesome? You can have the great life. You will never have a problem. How many say, I, I want that life? Well, there's no such thing as that life. So it'd be great. Without trouble, without fears, without any suddenlies or disappointment, without disaster and destruction, without violence and wars, without persecution and affliction, without loneliness and despair, without ridicule and rejection, without sickness and disease, without financial, bur without financial burdens and hardships. Wouldn't it be great to have a life with none of that? That'd be awesome. How many have found that life yet? It's a utopian view, but it's not there. So, but we all live in a world that comes with all of the above. Even more so, the question is, how are we to live? How are we to find the strength, maintain our peace, and hold on to the joy in the midst of the storms of life? One of the last things, one of the last declared statements Jesus made to his disciples was this. Is there in your outline from John 16, 33. The Message Bible says it like this. These things I have spoken to you that what? In me you may have peace. Now, wait a minute. If any man is where? In Christ, he's a new creation. So our first identity is I am in Christ and in him. I'm not trying to have peace on myself. I don't have to manufacture this stuff. I have it in him. My job is to abide in him, to live in him, to get my life rooted, grounded, deep into him. Hallelujah. So watch this. That in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. What are the next three words? Take courage, but take courage. I have what? Overcome. Overcome the world. I have told you these things 
so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this goodness, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulty, but take heart, I have conquered the world. That's good, amen? The Living Bible says it like this. I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But again, take heart because I have overcome the world. Now go to Psalms 107 and verses 28 through 32. Can you guys put that up? So watch this. In the Amplified Bible it says this. Then they cry to the Lord in their what? And he brings them out of what? Their distresses. Next verse. He hushes the storm to a calm, to a gentle whisper, so that the waves of the sea are still. Next verse. The men are glad because of the calm, and he brings them to their desired haven. Next verse. Oh, that men would praise and confess the Lord for his goodness and loving kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Next verse. Let them exalt him also where? In the congregation of the people and praise him in the company of the elder. So David said, man, in distress, whatever, do what we were doing this morning. Praise the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Have a voice of thanksgiving. Exalt him in giving praise. Come on, declare him as your answer in the midst of every situation. Could you shout amen? Amen. All right, so watch this this morning. Look inside your outline. The only way to find peace is to live at peace in the one who has overcome the world for us. If you do a word study on fear in the scriptures, you'll find that 365 times, 365 times, we're told, fear not. Fear not. Once for every day of the year. So you get up tomorrow, there's a scripture that just tells you, fear not. You get up day after tomorrow to say, fear not. So every day, you have a word from the Lord. What's the word of the Lord? There you go. People say, I just need a word. I got a word for you. Fear not. And if you can't fear not, at least shut up. Amen. If you can't get a grip on your fear, just keep your mouth closed till you do. Amen. Out of over 22 different people in different locations in Scripture and times in history, they had all been given the command from God, do not be afraid. And almost every one of them were in a position of leadership. There's people all over in the Scripture, and God would come to them and say, hey, fear not, don't be afraid. But yet there are people in leadership. There's people who are supposed to be leading and influencing others. And yet God has to encourage them. Jesus walks into the upper room with the disciples after the resurrection. The first thing he says is, fear not and peace be unto you. That's the word of the Lord always. God will always come to you and say, fear not, peace be unto you. God's always trying to bring peace into the storm of your life. And you just need to shut up long enough to hear him say, peace. Amen. So one of the key tricks of the enemy of our soul is to distract our attention, to move our focus off of the Lord. He wants us to see the circumstances of life as obstacles too great to overcome. 
Now, if you're on Facebook or any of those other things, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter chat, Crack Chat, whatever you're on. <laughs> Amen. All you're seeing is everybody posting the prices of gas. How many people are saying, I thank my God. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches. Can I just give you a bulletin? God knew what the price of gas would be today and that you would have to deal with it. So he already has you covered. He's not going, oh my gosh, I had no idea it was going to be this expensive right now. Oh my goodness, Jesus, do we have any money left? Is heaven out of resources? And most people who are frustrated or have fear over their finances are people who have placed their faith in their finances and not in God. There are people who have never learned how to tithe and to honor God and place their trust and declare their trust in Him. And so their source is their money, not their God. Are you doing all right? Okay. So watch this. He wants us to, the devil wants us to see the circumstances of life and obstacles too great to overcome. To try to make us believe that we are without hope and without remedy. He is the voice of the intimidator. The devil is always trying to intimidate you. And he says that the storm is greater than the peace that is asleep in your boat. Go to Mark chapter 4. We all know the account. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. And on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So Jesus said, we're going to get in the boat and what are we going to do? We're going to go to the other side. Okay. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat and as he was, boat as he, as he was and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat it into the boat so that it was already filling and he was in the stern what asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said teacher do you not care that we are perishing lord don't you know the price of everything is going up amen i freaked out the other day a little bit myself i I had to buy a couple of four by fours Pressure treated four by fours. We did, 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 made a new mailbox at the house there, so I needed two eight foot four by fours. I went and they rang them up. The guy said, That'd be $39. I said, For what? <laughs> Amen. No, the price of everything going up. We bought baseboard for the church. We, we just had to buy, you know, a few pieces of baseboard like that and 16 foot piece, uh, pieces in that. And, and, and uh, actually, there were 20 foot pieces, but it was $2,600. Just for baseboard. I'm going, praise the Lord. I'm glad my father is my supply. He knew wherever it is, whatever you're doing. But, you know, so the price of everything's going up. I had to go buy two pieces of, of, of uh, plywood for the countertops for the bathroom sinks and that. And they were $62 a sheet. Amen. Glory to God. Who cares? Who cares? God knows where you're going to be. 
He knows where you're at at every season and at every time. Isn't it amazing? They, 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 now watch this. Uh, they, they, they're saying this is the highest inflation we've had in 40 years. So it means we had inflation 40 years ago like this, and we made it through that, and we're here. This is the highest gas prices since whatever, 2014, 2008, whatever it was. And so they were high before, but now they're high again. So we survived that, and we are here. We forget what God has brought us through, and we're just panicking over where we are. The word of the Lord was so good. Remember what he's brought us through. Remember what he's done for us. Stay on him. He will perform his word concerning us. Amen? But the devil always comes with the voice of the intimidator, and he tells you, look at the storm, but who's asleep in your boat? Peace is asleep in your boat. Peace is that. So listen to what Jesus said. My peace, I leave with you. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. If you're losing your peace with the threats of war, with everything going on. The one thing I love about seeing the news from the report is people who have fled from their home. They're hiding out and they're in subways praising God. Not complaining, not chatting. They're just worshiping. They're praising God. Their churches are filled. Men and women just worshiping, praising the Lord and giving Him thanks. In the middle of their country being bombed and being exploded, they're doing real Christian stuff. Come on, people. Amen. So think about this. So how do I keep my peace? Through thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, thanks, gratitude, worship. The word thanks is, is, is in, the Greek, in, the Hebrew, in the Greek there is eucharista. It means gratitude, grateful language to God as an act of worship. Even what Rick had us do at the end of the, I just listened to this whole service, how God orchestrated it. Rick, at the, at the end, come on, just start thanking God for what he's done. Just start having words of gratitude. Go from, oh my God, to thank you God. Don't look at things, oh my God, what are we going to do? Thank you, Father. You're great. You are good. You always come through. You've never failed. Every moment, every time, whatever they need, you are the faithful. You are true. You watch over your word to perform it. I just give you glory, God, right in this moment. I don't have to know how. I don't have to know when. I just know you will. Glory to God. Amen. It also means, it's, it's the root word from where we get the term Eucharist, the liturgical name for the communion service, remembering and giving thanks for the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the secret to peace is praise and thanksgiving even in the storm. Even in the storm. Be praising Him even in the storm. Hallelujah. Talk about your answer, not about your problem. Amen. Make God, see, when David said it like this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name. Exalt means to lift up. Magnify means to make bigger. Amen. I have my magnifying eyeballs on. Making these words bigger. So I could read them. Amen. So that's what I do. I'm mag- so what, what happens is when you praise God, when you magnify the Lord, you make him bigger than the circumstance. You make him bigger than the situation. God is bigger. Years ago, I preached a message that I stole from A.W. Tozer. You thought I was just smart. I just know how to study other people's sermons. No, not really. 
No, A.W. Tozier, I, I listened, John Muncie gave me a CD with like 60-some of his sermons from the, from, from the 60s. So I was reading old radio sermons, all scratching and stuff. But he preached a message on God, the God who is bigger than words. Amen. It just went off on the inside of me. God is bigger. No, no, no matter what you could say about him, no matter how you could describe him, he's still bigger. God is always bigger. No matter what your thought of him, no matter how you comprehend him, no matter how great you think he is, he's still bigger. Amen. He's a great God. Amen. Hallelujah. So watch it. So the secret is praise. Always expressing gratitude to God. Even when we don't have any answers to the question. Keep your language of gratitude flowing towards God. He is always your answer. Amen. So remember that your victory in every battle is not based on the size of your faith, but rather on the size of your God. I found out years ago just being a pastor. You don't have to have a great church to do great things for God. You just need a big God in your church. We need more people. No, you just need more God. God is the source of our supply. That's what's been so amazing about our building program. You've been here. We haven't had to take one special offering. We haven't do pledges. Haven't do anything. God just does it. We just see. I found out when it's God. If you only have to say it, you don't have to sell it. If God speaks, you just say what He said. You don't have to sell it. You don't have to promote it. You don't have to just keep saying it. Just keep saying it. And watch what God does. He'll bring it to pass. Could you shout amen? amen? So he is the greater one. The size of your God. It's the size of your God in whom you have placed your trust. He is still the greater one. And he lives inside of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Colossians says this. There in your outline. And now... Just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Watch this. Let your roots grow down into him. When you give your life to Christ, this is what you do. You sow the seed of your life into the soil of his kingdom. Into the kingdom of God. You say, God, I'm going to sow my life into you. And I'm going to let the, the, the roots of my life grow down into you and I'm going to be rooted and grounded in you Psalm 92 says they that they they be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish and be strong and even bring forth fruit in old age amen there's something when you have your root grounded down on the hymn listen what Paul's saying here let your root grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with what? Thankfulness. Thank you, Lord. Just praising Him in every situation. Can, can I just give you a news bulletin? God already knows all the problems. He's waiting for you to declare He's the answer. We keep reminding Him of the problem instead of thanking Him, He's the answer. Something happens when I just get that paradigm shift and turn things around the other way. See, we must live in awe of God. He's worthy of all we have or will ever be. His plans, His ways, His love, His grace are beyond a depth 
of a lifetime of discovery, yet exceedingly worthy of our lifetime being given to explore them. In your whole lifetime, in 42 years of preaching this gospel, I, I keep finding new things in God. God keeps opening up new things. And, and think, man, I should have found it all by now. I, I should just be able to close the book and say, I got it. No, I haven't even scratched the surface. You just keep going, God, there is so much. You are the God of more. Listen, the, Paul wrote and said, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. So just think anything. Think as big as you could think, and he's above that. Glory to God. Yeah, but gas went up 30 cents. Well, get a 50-cent God. Oh, my goodness. What we think we know of him is far less than who he is. His majesty and his beauty will always be wondrous to behold. I can assure you of one thing. There truly is a God who is bigger than all your fears, stronger than any adversary you will ever face, and who will never fail to keep one word that he has spoken concerning you. There will be times in all of our lives when we feel like the disciples. We have been sent ahead, and he has remained behind. See, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus got in the boat with them. In Matthew 5, 14, after feeding the multitude, he says, Hey, you guys go over there. I'm going to stay here and pray. And they got in the boat and went ahead without him. And after they get out there in the midst of the storm, being sent by him, being obedient to what he's told them to do, and go where he's told them to go, in the midst of their obedience, they run into a storm. That happens in your life. happens in all of our lives. So there's those times where we feel like we've been sent ahead and he has remained behind. Then we find ourselves in a storm of adversity and we remember, wait a minute, he stayed behind. This is kind of where Christians are. Wait a minute, he's in heaven and I'm here. No, he's not in heaven. He is in you. God says, I, listen, Jesus said that, that, that if we receive him, that he said, he, he that hears my word and receives my word and does my, the Father and I will come and make our home, our abode in you. He's in there. He's in there. He's in there. God, greater is he that is in you. And we keep reaching out instead of believing that he's in and that he will manifest his life through us. Glory to God. Here's what happens. We find ourselves in a storm of adversity. We remember he stayed behind. We're doing everything we can, but it's not making any difference. In fact, it seems like and it looks like the situation is getting worse. But suddenly he comes walking on top of the storm. (laughs) You know where Jesus is right now? On top of it. He's on top of it. Jesus always comes walking on top of the adversity that's facing our lives. 
The Word is always above. Jesus is the Word made flesh. He's the living Word. God's Word is always above the circumstances of this life. God's Word is always coming to you on top of any circumstance you are facing. God's Word is never under. God's Word is always over and on top and in influencing, not being influenced by. Yeah, but I know somebody. I don't care. I don't mean to be insensitive. But quit being influenced by other people's experience that moves you off of who God is. I know somebody who tried that, believed that, didn't work for them. I don't care. I feel sorry for them. I'm, glad, I'm sorry it didn't work. But I don't know anything about them. I don't know what was coming out of their mouth. I don't know what was in their heart. I don't know what they were saying. I don't know what they were doing. I, I don't know any of that. I just know that God is not defined by a person's experience. And my faith, will not, I will not allow my faith to be defined by somebody else's experience. My faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God and the Word of God only. Amen. So, He comes walking on top of the storms, the adversity, the circumstance, and calls us out of our sinking boat of security to walk on top of the storm with Him. So Jesus comes walking on the storm to them. In Matthew 14, you can read, comes walking on them, and they all freak out because they think it's a ghost, kind of like people in church when the Holy Spirit shows up. Oh. <laughs> and he says, fear not, it's I. And Peter just goes, Lord, if that's you, ask me to get out of the boat. Bid me to come. What does Jesus say? Come. And what does Peter do? Keeping it, fixing his eyes on Jesus, gets out of the boat, starts walking toward. It is impossible to walk on water, but it is not impossible to walk on the word. Peter's not walking on water, he's walking on the word come. Jesus said, come. And he's walking on the word of the Lord on top of the circumstance that was sinking his boat of false security. See, if you think the boat you made for your life to get you to the other side is good enough to get you through the storm, it is not. There's one thing that gets you through life, and that is Jesus Christ, your hope, your Savior, your deliverer, and the anchor of your faith. Peter walking on the water. That's where God always shows up on top of the circumstance. The challenge always comes, though, in the in-between place. And years ago, man, this is back in, I think, 1997. We had a motorcycle ride here in 90, something like that, maybe 99. I don't know, Don, it was before 2000. But Jerry Seville was here. We did a ride with Jerry Seville. And we had Daryl Mansfield come. We had this guy. Man, that was, that was a crazy time. That was awesome. We had this great motorcycle ride. We did this ride and had this big barbecue afterwards. And then Jerry preached a message. And, and he preached this message on, on this theme of the in-between place. That every one of us lives in between. Amen. There it is. That's where you live. You live between amen and it shows up. That's where you live. And what happens between amen 
and there it is depends upon, and your response depends upon whether there it is ever comes. Because it's the in-between place where you face the storm. It was in between the two shores that they faced the storm. It was in between let us cross over and let us arrive that they faced the opposition. It is always in the in-between place that the devil tries to move you off of your faith. Are you doing all right? See, the challenge always comes in that in-between place. That's when it is most important to praise him and to have our speech filled with thanksgiving. That's why it's so important that you're saying, I am, I have, I can. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am born again. I am filled with the Spirit of God. I have the gift of faith. I have faith. God's given me the measure of faith. I don't have to walk. I don't have to get it. I have it. Amen? Amen. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. It's so important that you have that. That you know who you are and you declare that. To do so, we must remember all that he has done for us. And Eli even shared it today. It's what he has brought you through to get you here. David remembered the lion and the bear and found the faith and the courage to defeat the giant. Amen. I went down to New Life, our home church, uh, on Thursday night. And Steve and Tony went down with me. They asked to come down and teach a class for them. And so I, I taught a little bit on fear and that. And I started thinking, wait a minute. I've had bubonic plague. Anybody else had that? I never get a hand that says they have. I had the black death. They told Sue, your husband has bubonic plague. She goes, isn't that the black death? They go, yeah, well, but... He's got it anyway. <laughs> Amen. And you get, see, you get the black death by being, get by, by being bit by a flea in burning California. So don't go to burning. <laughs> no, he's teasing. But anyway, out fishing, got bit by a flea, ended up with bubonic plague, kind of the infestation there and all that stuff, seven days. But I'm here. God brought me through the black death. Amen. I had hepatitis C. I'm here. Amen. I've had, uh, well, I had 14 car wrecks before I got saved. At 17, I had a lady run a stop sign on my way to school one morning, and I broadsided her in my little Volkswagen Beetle, and I went through the windshield, and I had 280 stitches in my forehead. You thought those were wrinkles. No, those are battle scars. <laughs> Amen. That's why this eyebrow's up here like this. The doctor is fixing this part, and you go, hey, your eyebrow will be like that forever. Amen. Thank you, doc. That's awesome. Amen. What do you do for a side job? Could you fix the other side? Amen. I'm glad he didn't. I'd look like Nancy Pelosi. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right, so what? <laughs> All right, settle down. But when's the last time you remembered everything he's brought you through? When's the last time you remembered everything he's brought you through? When's the last time? See, every, everything, see, look, you are here. When's the last time you've remembered everything in your life that you've been through and you're still here? And God's hand was through so many things that got you 
here. And just because you're facing something now, that's what David said. I remember the lion and I remember the bear. This giant is no different. God brought me through them to get me here and he'll take me through him to get me to the end of my destination. So you keep your eye on who God is and you just start thanking him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've always been there. You've always brought me through. I'm just going to praise you. People might think I'm crazy, but I think I'll just praise you anyway. I think I'll just magnify you. I just think I'll declare you're greater than it all. I don't have to know how you're going to fix it. I don't have to know how you're going to do it. I don't have to have the answers. I don't need you to explain yourself to me. I just know you are, and I know you will. Glory to God. I'm happier just being here this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So let me finish this this morning. Watch this. Lessons learned in the in-between place will change you and your life forever. In Matthew 4, we read it. Jesus said, let us cross over. In Matthew 12, in between the shores and in between the boat and Jesus... They learned a lesson. It's always in between. What they thought would just be a boat ride across the sea became a life lesson they would never forget. Many times, what seems to be a casual in-between experience, going from one side to another, can be life-changing. The lessons the disciples learned in between changed them forever. And they will change you too. It is in the in-between place that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to ask ourselves, what is he doing? What is he doing? What is he doing? What is Jesus doing right now? Sitting. Resting. He's definitely not freaking out. Amen? He's seated by the right hand of the Father. Do you know where Paul said you are? Seated with him. In Christ, we're seated with him in heavenly places. And then we walk in the reality of where we're seated. When I know who I am in him, positionally, purposefully, then I just am at peace because he is my, I don't have to manufacture peace. His peace isn't moved by circumstance. That's why he's sleeping in the boat. Watch it. Jesus is sleeping in a boat, says, I made the water. The water's not going to kill the one that made it. It's impossible for the boat to sink because he was in it. It's impossible for your life to sink because he's in it. Let me give you my modern day. You be the boat. You the boat. You're the boat. You're the boat. He's in you. What's he doing? Chilling. What are you doing? He's like, what are you doing? What do you mean what I'm doing? Don't you see what's going on here? He goes, hey, hey, look at me. What am I doing? 
And what does Jesus get? Jesus gets up, and what's he do? He says, peace, be still, and calm. The word the Lord said today, and, and reiterate what we were trying to say, he says, say it and ask it, and I will do it. Did you hear that this morning? So the question is, what are you saying? What are you declaring? Never give up your peace. Jesus sent his disciples out and he told them, that, he, he said, listen, listen to what he said. He says, when you go into a house, when you're pre- and you go into a house, let your peace abide there. And, and if they don't receive you, take back your peace. So peace is a force that you can release out of your life. The same way peace came out of him and calmed a storm, you can walk into a situation. You should be a carrier and know that God ordained you to be a carrier of peace. Is this all right this morning? I hope this is helping somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the stuff's crazy. I mean, you look around. Nothing today makes any sense at all. Nothing makes any sense. And people keep lo- looking to leaders, worldly leaders, and every one of them's lost their ever-loving mind. They're all crazy. Because they just talk all this stuff up here. has nothing to do with anything. has no- nothing to do with anything. And the most environmentally destructive thing happening on the planet right now is the Green New Deal. Electric cars and everything else and all the batteries, all this is more environmentally, has more environmental impact on our, on our world and, and, and our climate and everything else they're trying to say than fossil fuels ever will. But there's just a narrative. We've listened to the narrative. and Oh, my goodness. You know what I can't understand? I'm just, this is a crazy morning. How, uh, at Sam's yesterday, gas was 519. Yeah, it was high. And then I, I get up to Cameron Park, and guess it's five eighty nine. How do you get seventy cent? How, how do you have four gas stations on one corner and they're all twenty, thirty, forty cents higher? Where you, where you guys get, you know, like you? How do you do that? And that's the stuff that makes me mad. Cause that's just people just taking advantage of something. Yeah. Every gas station should be the same price. Except in California, because we have to pay for this and this and this and this and this with all the taxes on that. But either way, I don't understand how gas station, where they have all the same everything fees that have to be on there, how can there be so much discrepancy between each place? Then I drive up this morning, and the gas station along the freeway up here is $5.99. It gone up to $5.99 a gallon. So wait a minute. We're still, how can you be 80 cents a gallon higher than the gas station? It doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm saying. The world makes no sense. So if you look at it, try to figure it out, it's just going to make your brain fritz. Look what it did to me this morning. Watch it. It is in the in-between place that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. What is he doing? He's sleeping. He's praying. He's walking. In between miracles, provision, and victories come storms. Go with me to John chapter 9.
of you think if somebody was born blind, got healed, born blind their whole life, got healed, everybody would be excited? You'd think. Everybody would be excited except for the church. John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. He asked, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, and the night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spit on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and anointed his eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. And he went and washed and came back seeing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sitting by the road, blind, have no idea what's going on. People talking about you. Hey, what about this guy? What's happening? Next thing you knew. <laughs> and then you got wet stuff in your eyes. And the guy says, go wash. I said, I think I will. And you go wash the mud up and you come back seeing. You have this miracle. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Yeah, and, the, and, and so the next thing you know, the religious people go, how did you get your eyes open? Well, I was just sitting by the road. I'm sitting there. People are talking. I hear <laughs> wet stuff in my eyes. I go walk. I come back seeing. Oh, who did that? Oh, Jesus. Oh, he worked on the Sabbath. <laughs> That's too much work for you to get healed. He made mud and he made mud and put it in your eyes. He has to be a sinner. This guy just goes, whatever. <laughs> All I know is I was blind, now I see. But in between getting his eyes washed and, and, and in between two encounters with Jesus, in between the spit and the mud and the next time Jesus shows up, this guy goes through hell. He gets dragged into the, in, before the Pharisees. They're questioning him. Next thing you know, they call his mom and dad. They're in there. Mom and dad kicking to the curb. We, this is our son. We know he was born blind, but whatever he did, he's on his own. He's going, I was just sitting there. <laughs> I'm in all this trouble. He goes, I don't know. And the next thing you know, he begins to get a revelation. Well, you might say he's a sinner, but since the time of the prophet, if any man works miracle, he has to be sent by God. It hadn't been heard that he might open the eyes of the blind. This guy comes along. You're calling him a sinner. He's working. He couldn't do it unless he was sent by God. Next thing you know, you are a sinner and you're preaching to us. And they kick the dude out. He gets excommunicated. And he's just sitting there going, this is a crazy day. <laughs> Craziest day I've ever had. Mind my own business. I can't even lead myself into trouble. I found it without trying. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. And so they're in the in-between place. But when they kick him out, Jesus shows up and says, Hey, do you know who I am? I'm the Savior, the Son of God. Reveals himself to him. So between those two encounters, 
how he responded, how you respond is so important. Amen? Are you doing all right? The worship team will come back. See, there's an in-between place in every choice and decision you make. The question is, can you live with that? Can you live with that? My pastor used to say it like this. Brother Hoover would always tell, every decision you make for God will be tested. Every decision you make for God will be tested. And I found that to be true. That was a true statement because it deals with the in-between place. And the in-between place is the place of life and death or blessing and cursing. It's never what happened on the shores that messes you up. It's what happens in between. For in between is the place of test, trial, and temptation, fear, frustration, and fatigue. Hear me this morning. What Joseph did in between the vision and the throne made all the difference. What David did in between being anointed king and being king made all the difference. So what about you? How are you handling the in between? In between. Amen. And there it is. Amen. There it is. Amen. It's mine. I have it now. Period. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen yet. The term faith there in, in, the, in, in the Greek means the title deed. The deed of ownership, the pink slip. Faith is the title deed of ownership. Thank you, Lord. I have it now. In between amen and there it is, I just stay in thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. I am the healed of the Lord. I know the symptoms aren't getting any better. I know there's pain, but I'm not here to agree with the symptoms. I'm not going to get my eyes on the waves and the wind. You said I am healed. I declare I am the healed of the Lord. I will call those things that are not as though they were. I'm walking on your word. I'm not going to take my eyes off and get moved by the circumstances to where I have to cry out again, Oh, Lord, save me. I'm thank you you will. I'm thank you stretch your hand out again and pull me out of the water. But, God, I'm purposing from this day on just to walk on the word with you you said come you said I can you said I am so father I'm going to walk on the word in between amen and there it is all I'm going to do is thank you and praise you and glorify you and when it shows up I just say there it is amen and, and I use this illustration all the time, and, and, and I know you think, but it's the best one ever. How many of you order something online and you pay for it with a credit card? So you just told them, I have the substance to pay for it. They take your word that you have the substance to pay for it. They, ta they take it out of their inventory. They put your name on it, and they dispatch it to you. Now today, there's a glitch in shipping, and it takes longer than it used to. Amazon Prime is kind of Amazon. Okay, so next day doesn't always work. But it does show up. But, but the moment you said, I will have that, and it's paid for by this, they take it out of their inventory. It, now, it is no longer theirs because you've redeemed it. You've paid the price to redeem it from their inventory into your supply. 
if you get this. And it is now, it's no longer theirs, it is yours. And it's on its way to you. And it is no more yours when it gets there than it was the moment you redeemed it. It became yours. You just haven't seen it yet, but it's as real as yours as it is the day it shows up. That's why when you say, I ordered it, I have, I have. You don't call it, I wish I had, I hope I have, I think I have. No, I have. Whatever I paid for, I have. Do you know that the Lord looked at you and he says, Hey, I choose to redeem you out of Satan's inventory. And I paid the price to buy you. And I purchased you to myself. And you no longer carry his name. You carry my name. You are mine. And I have given you my supply. And I supply all of your needs. And I bring your answer. I am your strength. I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. I am your champion. I am your victor. I am your overcomer and in me damn it gas went up 20 more cents somebody oh my goodness we close with this there will never be a shortage of news viewpoints perspectives on any subject at any given time but there's only one source of truth in times like this we need to be sure that we're allowing our decisions and responses to be led by the truth and not driven by news or fear Holy Spirit is still God with us follow his lead in your life and allow God's word and his voice of truth to be the filter for your life. And he will keep you in perfect peace. Stand with me this morning. So what I need to do. Keep your language of gratitude. Keep your language of gratitude. Keep your language of gratitude flowing towards God. He is your answer. He is your answer. I'd encourage you, maybe do some reading. George Mueller is an amazing study of faith. Built orphanages for children in England and that. Never talked a lot about his needs. He just talked to God about it. And God always came through supernaturally. Supplied the need for what he's asking him to do. God does that for one, he does that for all. In these situations, learning how to thank Him and praise Him. So this morning, just to break. Thursday night, I just taught about breaking fear. Talking about being leaders. And as leaders, people look to you. You can't lead when you're in fear. When David came in to defeat Goliath, the whole nation was in fear because Saul was afraid. As mom and dad, parents in your home, your kids don't need to see you in fear. Don't teach your children. Don't teach your children to open their lives to a spirit of fear. Don't educate them to be fearful of everything. 
The word fear it actually carries a root word in it, phobia, which is where we get our word phobias. Phobias is the fear of. The fear of. I have a, I have fear of this. I have a fear of that. I'm a, I'm, and so we, we, we give a term, I'm a, I'm a thisophobe. Whatever you prefix you put in that. But I, I'm a thisophobe. I'm a whatever, spiderophobe, whatever it is. Last time I looked, my foot's bigger than any spider. Amen? Well, I'm afraid of spiders. When's the last time one attacked you, wrestled you to the ground, and wrapped you up? Never. But I'm afraid of them. And so then you teach that in your children. And then, and then, now wait, wait, wait. And then you wonder why there's no peace in your home. Because fear is a vacuum. It sucks like a vacuum peace out of your life. And the Bible says, give no place to the devil. The devil enters your life and acts for access every time with the voice of fear. He came into the garden and got Adam and Eve with the voice of fear. You're missing out. You need to be afraid that you're missing out, that God is withholding you. And that fear of missing out caused them to partake of something they weren't supposed to partake of. And we've lived and the consequences have been held down. So you don't think fear will affect your children? It affected all of humanity. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when you give in to fear, you give up the soundness of your mind. And you make irrational choices. So I want you to do this right now, wherever you are. Let's just start raising our hands. And praising God. They're going to start leading us in whatever worship song Rick has on his heart. We're just going to worship God. And before we go out of this building this morning, we're going to begin thanking God. I want you to just move out. Whatever you've been saying, whatever you've been confessing, anything except thankfulness to God. Whatever you've been addressing as a fear, whatever you've been addressing as a concern, just start thanking Him that He's the answer. If there's sickness in your body, Father, I thank You. You're my healer. Lord, I'm just going to declare today, I am the healed of the Lord. Just begin to thank Him and praise Him for healing. If you're worried about finances, Father, I thank you. I honor you. I love you. And you said if I honor you with your finance, with my finances, God, you would cause my barns to be filled with plenty and my presses would overflow with new wine. You said you would multiply my seed so and you would cause your grace to abound me. Father, I thank you today. I live under the abounding overflow of your grace in my life. I thank you, Father. You will supply all of my need according to your riches and glory. I, have, I don't have a thought. I don't have a care. I rest in the assurance of your word today. Come on, just begin to praise him right where you're at. Come on, your word. Don't let me speak for you. It is your word that take authority of your life. Father, we thank you today. We praise you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rick Leaders and something. Hallelujah.